I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm looking at a fucking solo! Coming to you live from Chicago's northwest side, it's Chi-Town Hawk Talk with your host, Jeff the Buzz Hound. All right, well, here we are, episode one, the Blackhawks podcast, Chi-Town Hot Dog. I am Jeff the Buzzhound. I am here with Dr. Jones, Kyle Jones, goalie extraordinaire. We're going to be talking about the Hawks. Couldn't pick a worse time to start a podcast. Hawks are basically in last place. They've lost their last five. Um, you know, the house of cards is falling. They're nine and 13, 20% into the season. So basically about a quarter into the season, snowballs chance in hell about actually making the playoffs. And we're here to, uh, talk about why, what do we do? Why are they doing so bad? Is there any kind of solution in sight? And, um, here with Kyle, uh, professional goaltender played in the Europe leagues and, uh, collegiate goalie. Um, Kyle, give us a little bit of your background. Start buddy. up. Come on, eh? Oh yeah. No, I grew up on the West coast of Canada in Vancouver. Uh, I played, uh, I can jun- tell by the accent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, huh? played junior hockey out there. Don't wreck our show, you hoser. Moved down here at, uh, the age of 21 to go to college, played college hockey, uh, div three. But uh, 2008 was my senior year. We won a national championship. Nice. Uh, I was national player of the year that year. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so we, it was it was a hell of a hell of a run there, and then uh, you know went on to play a couple years pro. Cool. Out in in Europe, correct? Uh, yeah. I, I played. I signed with the Sharks out of college. <laughs> spent five years in the U.S. Uh, just one year with the Sharks, though, and then bounced around a little bit. Spent three years in Colorado, and then went out, went overseas and played in Scotland. All for right, two years. give your mother a kiss, and I'll kick your teeth in. It's good to get a goalie's perspective. Um, I all you know, being a defenseman, I'm kind of like a goalie's best friend. So hey, man, maybe we could. Uh, you know, bounce off each other on the podcast like we do on uh, on, on the ice. Anyways, um, so Hawks, um, t- basically nine and thirteen. Uh, Crawford's back. They fire their coach. They hire a thirty-three-year-old coach, and now everyone's kind of like throwing their hands up, you know, and wondering why they stink so bad. Um, what are your opinions? Um, why do you think the House of Cards has fell uh, is, is so fast like it did? I mean, it could be any number of things. Uh, I don't think anybody can put their finger on what's going on right now. Um, it's, I mean, obviously, obviously the the D isn't kind of kind of holding up to where it, sorry, the D isn't kind yep. of holding up well, to where it's... That, aren't the defensemen the goalie's best friend? Right, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm a biased goalie here, but yep. I mean, it, you look at the game last night and I, I watched the, you know, four goals against in the first period before coming here and who's picking somebody up in front of the net? Yeah. Nobody. I mean, that's the defense's first job. Yeah. And, and exactly. Coughing the puck up in their own zone. And, you know, you, at the last five out of six, or maybe the last six games, I think the stat was they have let the first goal in. Right. right? So when they're fundamentally breaking down, you can't break the puck out and you're getting scored on um, basically 90% of the time first. Um, it's hard to win. And, you know, what's a goalie's perspective? I mean, what's it like to, I mean, have you ever been, it sounds like you were part of some great teams. Have you ever been part of a losing team, number one, number two? You know, what's it like to consistently kind of come out of the gate and be down a goal? What's it like to always be down a goal and tr- try to kind of keep the game? Is it, you know? Yeah, you know what? That's not, so, I mean, that that stat is not something that really crosses your mind until you're told it. Yeah. You're, until you're told, you know, six games in a row, we've let in the first goal. Yeah. And uh, so once you hear that, 
then it's in the back of your head and that's got you thinking. And I mean, you're playing from behind from there, from there on out, you know, as soon as you start. Um, yeah, I played on some losing teams. My first year of pro, we were horrendous. We, uh, I played for the Phoenix Roadrunners and, uh, I think we were second last in the league, but uh, I mean, we had a really good team. I mean, we had good players, just we couldn't put the pieces together. Guys were fighting in the dressing room. Like, it's just yeah. stuff like that happens. And then, you know, it snowballs and then, you know, here, yep. we, here we are. Yep. And you talk about defense and it kind of goes to, to, to kind of show. And I've, you know, whenever we talk about really great hockey teams, um, obviously you have to have a, a good defense, but I'm sorry, a good offense, but defense kind of goes unsung until you don't have a good defense. You know, you look at uh, the Hawks and how deep they were uh, when they were winning cups and everything's great. And all the things that a defense does is um, is camouflage when they do it well. And when they don't do it well, it's uh, it's, it's exemplified 100%. Right. I, you know, turn the puck over in the zone like Seabrook's, turn, you know, he's got yeah. a knack these days for giving up the puck in, right. in his own end, coughing it up, up, you know, not picking up the, the off wing in front of the net, doing fundamental hockey and not being able to break the puck out in your own end and really kind of transition into the neutral zone, which, you know, Duncan Keith does very well or he mm-hmm. did very well. Mm-hmm. And I think... You know, that defensive part of the game is so overlooked, but so rare. You look at great hockey teams that have a great defensive core and they make everything look, look easy. You look at, you know, a guy like Nick Lidstrom, when he leaves, the whole core breaks down and they, they lose for four seasons in a row. And that's kind of what the Hawks are going through now because it's not like they can't score goals, but they don't have the depth on defense, I don't right. think, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, uh, this generation of Hawks fans have been pretty blessed with two of the two of the greatest defensemen in Chicago Blackhawks history. Yeah, uh, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Yeah, three cups. I mean, it's I mean it's debatable, but it's I mean, in my opinion, it's a fact. And you know, one day things are gonna things are gonna break down a little bit. I mean, they're getting older. They are getting older. Um, you know, things got to be in the back. <laughs> Some of the stuff have to be in the back of their head. The media, you know, are all over them. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure they've heard it. Um, I'm sure they know what's going on. And I mean, once that once bad habits, you know, sneak into your game, it's hard to rectify them. Yeah. Yep. And the Hawks are, are um, they don't really have the depth. I mean, you look at a couple of years ago when we were still winning, um, you know, you look at a guy, Nick, Nick Chalmerson, he's gone. Right. Uh, and then your role players and D, you know, a lot of the things that they did, they're all gone. So, yeah, you know, B, D, you know, kind of transitioning is the investment right now in D paying off. I mean, we've got Ryan Hartman who kind of came back and you know, last last game and kicked our ass in Nashville, you know, five to two loss. That was kind of, I'm sure, a good moment for him. But we gave him up. He was the 30th overall in 2014. Um, and basically we picked up two defensemen, uh, for, uh, his picks that we got, uh, Nick Bowden and Philip Kurashev. Um, and I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, let's kind of transition maybe into the, to, to what are we doing now with the defense? Um, what's the solution? Are we doing it? You know, it looks like, you know, maybe Bowman did make a pretty decent move in picking up Nick Bowden and as, as well as a couple of other defensemen. But, you know, what's your opinion on the defense and kind of how they, what needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, obviously those guys we just talked about are the, have been the QBs of the of the back end for uh, so many years. And, uh, you know, they brought in some veteran guys to kind of fill some gaps. But now it's every, you know, down the roster on the defensive end is, they're all young guys now. So, yeah. 
I mean, they got all you can, you got to put them in, you got to get them in the games, get them, get them this experience, um, um, let them make their own mistakes. And, uh, I mean, getting, I mean, Hartman was a good player, obviously, but they got a first and a fourth per, for him for a guy who had 31 points last year, Yeah, which is huge. I mean, obviously he was a, a first round pick in his day too, but they got another first round pick. They could do it again. Um, I think Bowman did well there. Yeah. And the young guys, where do you see the potential for greatness uh, from the young guys, uh, whether it be in defense or, you know, the guys that are under 25 now, uh, you're looking at, you know, Brandon Saad, who's obviously awesome. He's a veteran. He's 25. He's the, kind of the older statesman of that crew. Alex Debrinkit, Nick Schmaltz, uh, Henry Yokoharu, Adam um, Boquist. Yep. Where, where are we investing in these guys and who do you see kind of breaking out and becoming someone that's you know a potential not only role player but you know a potential star in the future yeah i mean i mean i got a little list here of you know five young defensemen that that we got got in the pipeline dahlstrom bogfist yokoharu mitchell and forsling forsling played a bunch quite a bit last year um yokoharu is playing this year 19 years old um, Bokefist is one of the one of the best defensive prospects in the league, um, and as is Ian Mitchell, uh, playing at Denver Denver University, nineteen game or sorry, nineteen years old, twelve games, eleven points. I mean, it's a great pipeline. Um, it's just a matter of. Start- so how long does that take then to to harvest this crop before they're actually? Uh- you know, making an making a, making an impact on on a daily basis because a lot of these guys that you talked about, they they're they're not playing regularly, right? They're in the minors still. Or yeah, not, I'm sorry, some are in junior still, junior, some are in yeah. college still, some are I mean, some are in the minors. But yeah, I mean, they got to get they got to start getting this the experience, and uh, you know, they're still I mean, they're still young enough to play in junior and uh, and in college. So I mean, that's the reason why they're there to to nurture their game and then make the step up and and. Uh, start doing it at the pro level. You mentioned uh, a defenseman, Henry Yokoharu, uh, who has quietly been one of the Hawks' top two defensemen all season. Uh, it's clear uh, that, you know, the back end is kind of looking for one of these kids to step up, like you were saying. It looks like Yokoharu paid 20 minutes uh, in Nashville. He had a shot on goal, uh, did a lot to um, patrol his own end and take care of the puck in his own end. So he's playing very good. Um, do you think that this guy could kind of step in and kind of assume a, the, the role that Duncan Keith has like in five years? Or is that kind of like a sacrilege? And that is that, you know, can anybody kind of fill Duncan Keith's shoes? I mean, somebody's going to have to step up and take over. Um, they're not going to be around forever. So somebody's going to have to, whether that be, you know, Brandon Manning, who's a little bit older, uh, but Yokaro, 19 years old in the league. It's, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. And he's playing regularly. He's uh you know, top two in points on the on the defensive end. I mean, he's only minus one um, in, a, in a team that gives up a lot of goals. And I mean, he just there, there's just a lot of positives. Yeah, and uh, obviously one of the few good moves that Bowman has made over the last uh, in recent history. Um, you know, so obviously Henry uh, Yukaharu trending up. Um, he, his star is kind of rising. Yeah. On the flip side, on the D, uh, you know, you look at Brent Seabrook, who um, I love Brent Seabrook. I think the guy's a warrior, uh, but I think there's some serious issues in his game. I think, uh, you know, from a defensive point of view, he's making some really bad mistakes that people that are making six or seven million dollars a year are not 
basically allowed, I mean, one or two maybe, but, you know, he's doing this on a consistent basis. Um, you know, the Hawks are down 3 nothing in the first period the other night, and, you know, a lot of it had to do with his play. Um, you know, careless, careless turnovers in, 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 in your own end are, are kind of a sacrilege. What do you think uh, the solution is with, uh, with Seabrook? And, uh, you know, obviously we, we own him for a while. I mean, is there any way to kind of get rid of that luggage, or what are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like there's got to be a taker, um, if if they're if they're wanting to unload, which I'm sure they probably are. Uh, the rumors were out there at the deadline last year that that he was on the on the wire. So, but there wasn't takers at that time. So, who, right. you know what? Who knows? Um, yep. He's he's 34 or 33 right now. Yep. Um, older, big deal, a lot of money. Yeah, who we're knows? paying him seven million a year. Uh, against the cap, who I'm, and I'm sure what it, the fully loaded cost is of, of him, and I'm sure it's a little bit higher than that, but it's going about uh, just under seven million against the cap. Like you were saying, he's in his mid 30s. The guy's been, you know, basically knocked out a few times. He's got a bunch of concussions. Um, I'm wondering, you know, um, is there, you know, that'd be great if somebody could could pick up his contract and you know free up a little bit of money. Which leads me to my next point. I read recently that. Um, the Hawks were talking to uh, the bread man, Panarin, to come back. And um, I think that that was a very interesting um, line of discussion. And, you know, wanted to get your opinion on what, it, what do you think it would take to kind of bring him in? Obviously, Panarin is in his second year of a two-year deal uh, worth $12 million, uh, with the Blue Jackets. And... Um, blockbuster trade obviously in 2017 he's among the leading scorers if not the leading scorer of that team and when he was playing with Kane um he scored at least 30 goals and 74 points on Kane's line I personally was scratching my head everybody I mean I think we you know we we wanted to free up some space and and, and make some acquisitions but I was really bummed out that they got rid of Panarin. I think the East-West game that they had was among the best. Do you think that he could, uh, you know, number one, what do you think it's going to take to get him kind of back um, when he is done with his contract? You know, what kind of money do you think we'll have to pay him? And uh, what kind of an impact do you think that he would have now a couple of years later after the Magic? You know what, I was just, I was going to say just that. That deal was a bit of a head-scratcher at the time. Um who knows what the what the reasoning was? You know, maybe they went to somebody in the room, said, "Hey, we got a chance to get Sod back," um, but they didn't know what they'd be giving up for him. And and yeah, like like you said, it was it was a, it was a strange call at the time. Um, rookie of the year, um, the success he had with Kane. Yep. You know, like you said, their East West game. It's I mean, it's it's, it's unstoppable. And you know, the one timers and such. And it kind of yeah. like back when they did that. You mentioned Sod, and I love Sod. I think Sod's a great player. He's uh, multi-dimensional, both sides of the puck. I think the comparison, though, when it comes to Panarin, it was you know, it's it's the debate is what's better, the chemistry or the player. And I think that Sod's probably a better player than Panarin. Arguably, I think he's got a big bigger physical presence. Um, he's definitely better with the puck. Um, but you know, the chemistry that you got when you have two, you know, two players together, uh, like Kane and Panarin did the other, you know, a couple of years ago. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's something hard to, that's hard to find. Like you look at Backstrom and Ovechkin in Washington, right. that, I mean, the, the one timers from the dot that, that they got going on, you know, uh, same with Johnson and Stamkos in Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, the chemistry it's, they had an unstoppable, uh, uh, you know, power play with the two of those guys. And, uh, you know, you compare them, compare them to guys like, 
like that. That's, that's something that's hard to find. Yeah. And he's making 12 million over two years. So what's that equate to about 6 million, right? So we're going to have to pay him probably more money than that, right? Um, consider, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Kane is making 10 million uh, against the cap, you know, fully loaded. You're looking at a cost of about 12 million a year. Uh, Jonathan Tays, same, you know, yeah. 12 million all in, 10 million five against the cap. Uh, Brandon Saad, 6 million. So, you know, We've got $17.5 million to play with at the end of the year. What do you think we'd have to pay Panarin to have him come back? I mean, this this two-year deal he's on is obviously a bridge deal to a, a long-term, deal huge, somewhere. huge money contract. Yeah, right? um, so, I mean, I think that Columbus knew before going into this year that he, he likely wasn't going to come back. And yeah, it's going to take... Do you it's think he's a $10 million dollar guy? <sighs> I think it's going to be eight, between eight and ten. I don't know if if the Hawks are going to get him. I don't know if they're going to pay him more than Kane and Taze. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I and mean, obviously they need to address other issues as well. Um, speaking of Te- uh, Saad, you know, and Panarin, the line of Saad, Taze, and Kane um, stacking that line. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It's, I mean, there's three best forwards on the team. It is. It's kind of stacked. I mean, it sounds like a power play line, right? Yeah, I mean, it does. Yeah. I like the idea of splitting them up. They got to do something. They got to. They got to change the way things are going. So it's something has to change. And if splitting them up is something that's gonna well, how nice would it fire. be to get Panarin back, right, and to be able to retain Sad uh, and, and to kind of put like you know Kane and uh, and Panarin on the line, yeah, and to put. Um, um, Sad and uh, Taze right. on the line. Right. Then you got two, you know, very powerful lines. Hopefully, the, our defensive problem can kind of solve itself with these young guys stepping up, you know. And it would be great to unload Seabrook's contract somehow, and maybe you know, uh, which leads to me to my last point of you know, kind of what needs to be done. Uh, Corey Crawford. Um, the fact that we in the offseason had to hire Cam Ward for pretty damn big money. What are your thoughts on Cam Ward being a goaltender? Yeah, you know what? I find it hard to, uh, being a goalie, I find it hard to, you know, chirp any of the goalies who are playing in the NHL right, yeah. and I'm not playing in the NHL. But I okay. mean, yep. uh, no, I but you. I mean, Cam Ward has had an incredible career. He, he won a Stanley Cubs, a rookie in uh, Carolina there, won a, a playoff MVP that year. Um, you know, he spent his entire career there. After that copy won, nothing really happened in Carolina. So he wanted to change and came to came to Chicago, which in my opinion was a, a bit of a head scratcher as well. But you know what? Uh, they didn't know how long Corey Crawford was going to be out. So they wanted a bona fide starting goaltender to, to fill in there and they got him. Um, but you're right. You know, it's a one-year deal that he's got, $3 million. I think that's kind of a bargain for the career that he's had. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, the way that he's played. Like, last night in, uh, against Nashville, they're down 4 nothing or 4-1 after the first period. He let in four goals on nine shots and he battled and bounced back, didn't let anything the rest of the game. You know, he's he's a veteran. He's a good goalie. And uh, as, a, as much of a head-scratcher as it was, I think it, I think it turned out for the better. That's interesting that you say that too, and it's always good to get a, to get a goalie's perspective because uh, you know people are really hard on goalies. Nah, you know? yeah. I mean, scapegoats. Yeah, and you just said, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say he scored four goals, and you know, damn him, get him out. And you're like, well, he <laughs> kept him in and did a good job. Right. So this, um, I, I just think, I think the point I wanted to bring this up is because I'm a little disappointed with Corey Crawford and the way that he's kind of. 
the sit the whole situation of how kind of how I think he was the kind of match that started the house on fire last year when he had to you know under very suspicious circumstances sit out a ton of time yeah and there's a lot of rumors on why yeah. he was out is he you know Karen, they were all bad too right. there was it's not like you know these were all justified reasons you know he was in a game and got hurt this is extracurricular activity and I think right. that it really screwed people up I mean you know you pay a goal big money to come in he's the anchor of your team i mean you know this right guys yeah. when you played with your your teammates and um you know they knew that you're on fire there's a confidence that kind of the whole team has when you take yeah. away the goaltender from right. a team everything kind of falls apart so then you look at the dynamic of the team all right so last year yeah we didn't have a great team a lot of the same of what we're going through now but our goaltender i think the goaltender had a lot to kind of do with it and a lot of what's going on now is the fallout from that year from him sitting around and not being in the game um and people are kind of it's like a witch hunt now like you know you get rid of quenville which i think is a terrible move mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it had to deal with kind of you know with crawford and kind of where his head's at now you got a goal you got two goalies you're spending 10 million dollars on two goalies and they're kind of co-starting and you know number one what's your opinion of the two goalie system number one and do you think Corey crawford's the guy moving forward oh, you know what uh he's it's an interesting situation. There's, like you said, there's rumors out there. Who knows what's going on? Um, but there's any number of of mental or physical things going on with Corey Crawford. We don't we don't know what what exactly those are. Yeah. Um, and you're right. He missed a lot of time last year for some unknown reasons. And right. it's, you know, the rumors were you know getting drunk at a concert and falling down yep. the stairs, yep. which you know. Could very well have happened and gotten a concussion. One thing's for sure, I don't think, can we all agree that he didn't have a concussion from playing hockey? I mean, is that kind of, he didn't get a concussion from playing hockey, did he? I, yeah. Who knows? I, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. So, um, so what do you do with these goaltenders now? Do you put the faith back kind of in him and kind of, is he the guy? And is it, is he the same guy he was two years ago? And is it just because there's no defense and he's getting shelled that, that we're kind of, you know, where we're at? That's a question, right? Um, I think that he was, he was like I said. I, I hate talking shit about goalies but, right. uh, when they're right. in the NHL, and I'm not. But yep. I think he was pretty blessed to play for some pretty fantastic hockey teams for yeah, the first how many years of his career. And uh, do I necessarily think that he is one of the elite goalies in the league? I don't, and I think that's the reason why he played on some incredible teams. Um, did he, you know, help them win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, they did. He did. But is he one of the top goalies in the league? I don't think so. And I don't. I don't think that now with what's happened the past two years, I don't think he's the answer moving forward. No. So you're talking 2020. We pay him six million dollars and we're done, right? So do we? We save the six million then and picks a pick a rookie from the farm from from the farm team or maybe go shopping for one. Yeah, potentially. I mean, we got. Anton Forsberg, uh, who played a, a lot of games last year in Corey Crawford's absence, um, who's who came over in the Panarin trade as well, who's a good, you know, prospect who's in the who's in the uh, the American League this year, but in front of him right now was this Colin Delia kid who played a couple games last year for the Hawks too, right out of college, had kind of a up and down year, but as soon as he settled in somewhere and got some consistent playing time, he's kind of tore it up, and I mean this year. He's 24 years old, 14 games, 93% save percentage. So, I mean, this, I mean, he's, he, he's looking pretty good to possibly be 
one of the guys moving forward. So that's from a goaltender's perspective, and you probably just answered the question I'm going to ask. In starting after next season, obviously Crawford's going to be the guy next year. That's who do you see stepping up that we have in the pipeline? As if it was today, it'd yeah. have to be this Delia guy. He's, yeah. uh, I mean, he's leading their American League team. Forsberg's kind of taking a back seat. Um, in the American League, he's not having, uh, I mean, he doesn't have as good numbers as Delia does. I mean, he's playing fine, but uh, Delia's getting more of the games um, and he's got the better numbers right now. This topic has probably been discussed ad nauseum uh, to this point, but um, a lot of people kind of sniff are sniffing out the beginning of the end of the, the Bowman era. Uh, a couple things have went down. Quinville was let go, which I thought was a was a real bummer. I think that Quinville is a winning coach with a proven track record. You know, they hire a new kid at 33 years old. And um, what what do you think uh, of the current situation? I mean, obviously, we've talked about a couple things uh, that they need to do in order to become successful moving forward. Um, the, the 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 top brass, the, the front office, making some some pretty questionable moves. Obviously, you know, there's motivations behind it. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I completely agree. You know, Quenville is arguably one of the top two, maybe top five coaches of all time in the NHL. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's it, it kind of boggled the mind that uh, I get it. Things aren't going as well the past couple of years as we thought, but I find it hard to believe that players lost faith in Joel Quenville as one of the one best coaches of, of all time. Could not agree with you more. So, I mean... There's rumors out there, the tension behind the scenes between management and coaching staff. So, I mean, that obviously had a big thing to do with it. Um, well, I mean, now when you say management and coaching staff, like what, what, uh, elaborate on that? I mean, there's rumors out there that Bowman and Quenville straight up just don't get along. So, right. I'm sure that, uh, you know, it was basically maybe have come down to one or the other, like a power play one of them's got to go. They got to yep. pick one. Ownership's got to pick one. And then, uh, so they can get a young guy in there. That's why they got rid of Quenville. They can get a young guy in there. Not saying he's, you know, they can basically tell him what he want, what, what to do. What to do. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to, yeah. yeah. Joel Quenville is not going to be told what to do. Do you think this kid has any uh, presence in the locker room dealing with Duncan Keith, dealing with Pat Kane, Taze, you know, he's younger than most of them. Obviously he's around the same age as Kane. You know, how do these players look at a coach that, I mean, and I, you know, shame on me. I got to learn this kid's background, but he did not play in the NHL, obviously, right? He played in the American League a ton. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he might've played a little bit in the show, uh, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't see it being, it, it had to have been a pretty awkward transition for everybody, including the new coach um, stepping in there and, you know, your two best defensemen are older than you and your two best players are right around your age it's it's a it's got to be an interesting situation I, I i can't even i can't even think of how that dressing room is right now yeah like i mean you played i played i always thought of my coach um as i don't want to get too crazy but you know definitely as a father a figure someone who's much older and much more um disciplinarian type yeah. you know there was an iron fist every coach that i thought that I, that i have played for that was really good and memorable had had been a strong nosed 
um, very elderly figure. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, you get to the NHL and I've never played at that level. Um, you know, obviously people are older now, right? You get to be 20, 30, and you sometimes even 40 playing in NHL. I can't imagine playing for a coach that was younger than I am. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, it, I guess it's just how, it's how you handle it. I mean, I mean, they're all professionals, right. so they're all playing at the highest level. Uh, and they all have a job to do. Right. And uh, as of right now, it, they're not uh, they're not putting the pieces together. Nobody's really um, taking control on the ice. So, is there something going on behind the scenes with that too? Who knows? Yeah. It's a repeated scenario. It's happened a couple times in the league. I'm a big Red Wings fan as well. I don't even know if I can say that on this podcast, but... <laughs> That's know, all right. I'm did, a Canucks fan. Yeah, right? Well, there you go, right? <laughs> Three powerhouse teams that are now in a shitter, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, yeah, same situation. Got rid of the coach. I mean, you look at Babcock. He went to Toronto. Um, how long do you think you know, how long do you think a turnaround could be? I mean, you look at Buffalo, Toronto, a few really bad years, but their leadership was there. You look at Babcock, he was able to get in there, assess what was going on, you know, get a couple of young players earlier in the contract, extend them out. The problem is, you know, you really have to be able to assess top talent well. I don't think Stan Bowman, uh, obviously he doesn't have the talent that his old man did and he doesn't have the talent for assessing top talent. Uh, and yeah, I don't think he's got any business assessing any long-term kind of uh, perspective deals right. with these people. So that being said, you know, how long do you think it will take for the Hawks to kind of kind of go down that road? And how long do you think a turnaround will take? It's difficult to say. Uh, you think of the early two th- early to mid two thousand Chicago Blackhawks when they first drafted Tave, Taves and Kane back to back years. The have let years, right? And uh, I mean, they didn't have immediate team success it took a few years for them to come together and and then ultimately obviously we know what happened three stanley cups in six years but i mean that's over a span of eight nine years and those are talents as taves and kane i mean two of the best players in the league in their prime right so you're right you need it's got to be drafting you think about toronto and think about the young players they have now um do the hawks have any young players in their pipeline as good as Toronto? Probably not right now, but right. I mean, drafting has, I mean, dra- drafting's got to be there. And uh, you're right as well. Stan Bowman's not, maybe not the answer. What do you think of Jonathan Tay's last uh, couple of years? And what do you think his future is going to be like? I know he gets a lot of, he gets a lot of shit from the media too, uh, yeah. especially last year, um, which is fair. He didn't have a great year last year, but I still think he's, I mean, I still think he's top 10 player in the league. He's one of the best leaders on and on the ice, on and off the ice in the league. Um, and uh, there's no question he's, val- he's still valuable. That's good to hear. I kind of go back and forth with him. <laughs> um, Pat Kane, what are your thoughts? I mean, e- easily one of the most skilled players in the league. Um if there's a question out there on him, is it's his, his give a shit meter? Um, you know, it, it it doesn't seem like, especially when things aren't going so well, it doesn't seem like uh, his head's all there. But that's just my perspective. I think uh, we can both agree when he gets the puck. I mean, the guy's magical. He hasn't lost a step. You know, recently yeah. he's playing with the team that's losing, which is very new to him. That's a hard pill to swallow, especially when you're a Clydesdale like him and you're always lo- you, you're you're used to winning. Um, I think that 
you know, he probably should take a little bit more example of like a Hosa who we dearly miss and, you know, God yeah. bless who knows where he is somewhere in Europe now, hmm. but, you know, playing both sides of the puck, you know, doing the, the, a little bit more of the stuff and leading a little bit more like example, like a Taze, yeah. you know, um, doing a little bit more of the, the fundamental defense back checking and you're, you know, playing more right. hockey in your own end, trying to not leaving the zone early, this kind of stuff. But I agree. I think Pat Kane's uh, totally awesome. I just, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, his defense, it'd be nice to see him play a little bit more defense, but, you know. Yeah, and I mean, he's still he's still leading the team leading the team in scoring and as he usually does. And Yep, best hands in the league. Right, yeah, yep. he's up there. All right, so Nashville uh, last night, 5-2 loss, watched it. They got their butts kicked. And I think for the first time in a really long time, you could see the remnants or the artifacts of a team that's kind of imploding uh, especially after the kit, the the, the hit um, that was given, uh, that was arguably a, uh, a you know a cheap hit on Duncan Keith, and you know the guy get, you know, he starts a fight, which um, you know is is the is the logical um, progression of a hit like that. I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that. Um, but do you think that? Do you think that the Hawks are at a point now where they're so frustrated that they're becoming the team that? You know, does you know Nail starts fighting uh, on the regular or number one, number two? Like, if you have ever been a part of a losing team, like, how do you keep it together now during these parts in the locker room? We were never anything but a rich broad's tax write-off. Is it is it the responsibility of Taze, or, or you know, to kind of keep everybody with their eye on the prize, or you know, what do you do in the locker room to? Kind of keep things going in a situation that's dire and basically, or you know, just you really don't have a shot long term this season. You know, what do you do? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got to fall on tapes. It's got to fall on the the veteran guys that have been there a long time, and and uh, with all the scrutiny that's you know going on right now with them, unfortunately, it's it's it has to be those guys stepping up and uh, keeping the crew together. Um, Obviously, the hit last night on on Keith was it was a dirty hit. I don't think the kid necessarily meant to do it, but uh, I mean that you're right. It's a, it's the natural uh, response. Um, do I do I agree with how Keith handled it? Yeah, I mean it's it obviously frustrations were coming out. Um, yes. It's been a frustrating 25 or 26 games or whatever it's been, and you saw it all come to the forefront there and. That's a, I don't disagree with with what he did going after the kid, but it, uh, it on the other hand, you know, with the way things are going, it could have been a, an opportunity to keep a level head. All right, well, yeah, we'll wrap it up with the last segment, uh, one more segment here, um, uh, called uh, overpaid, underpaid. I'll just wrap a couple of <laughs> a couple of uh, players, and you know, you let me know what you think. Overpaid, underpaid. Yep. Um, Obviously, uh, Pat Kane. Uh, he's fair market value there. I would, I would imagine. Um, Brent Seabrook. Yeah, he's, got, he got, he's got to fall under the over now. Here's one for you. Chris Kunitz. Chris Kunitz is a bargain at yeah. a million bucks a year with the amount of Stanley Cups he has and the, and the veteran presence he has. I, I thought the same thing. And when I saw that we had signed him in the offseason, I thought that that would be a good deal. I took a lot of crap from it from my friends, too. It's like <laughs> Kunitz is kind of washed up but i thought the same thing how about um alex to i mean he's he's quietly becoming one of the better players on the team so he's yep. also a bargain yeah i agree he's making seven hundred and seventy-eight thousand a year yeah. and uh for that price you know hopefully we can get some really good production out of him before we have to start paying him yeah 
Um, Duncan Keith at uh, five point five million. Stick a pin in his bum, eh? Three years ago, it'd be perfect amount. But I mean, obviously, we've seen how lately things are kind of declining. So, and he's pay, he's getting paid the same through twenty one, twenty two. So that's a lot of money. Yep, yep. We're kind of tethered to him too. Um, how about uh, Anisimov? Four and a half million. I mean, I I feel like he's consistently cause consistently uh, up there on the team scoring. He I feel like he goes out there and, and does his thing every year, and and I th- I think that's fair. David Kemp. David Kemp. Nine hundred and twenty-five grand. That's a good question on that one. Not uh, not a whole lot of uh, knowledge on yeah, David me- Kemp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stumped. Yeah. Yeah, that was my stupid question. I will say I think the, the Dylan Strom acquisition was a good a good good move. Dylan Strom, do you know a lot about him? I don't. I just know I mean he's like twenty one, twenty two years old, a good young prospect, um, who's played in the league a few years now. And uh I think at uh the Schmaltz Schmaltz for uh for Perlini and Strom, I think I I I gotta say I like it even though I mean forwards aren't there necessarily yep. their uh, weak point right now yep agreed so thanks so much for listening to our first episode of shy town hawk talk you can find us on the net on instagram at shy town hawk talk and you can also follow us on facebook at shy town hawk talk thanks a lot to my guest kyle jones dr jones goalie extraordinaire and thank you to our producer mr andy Peace out. Ah!